Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, aphorism for July 6th. Here we go. My bottom line, this is Swami Kriyananda, the author of the book, saying, My bottom line for many years has been not money, profit, or outer success of any kind, but inner peace. I've refused to allow myself to become so stressed as to sacrifice that true wealth. I've even deemed it better, and experience has borne me out, to leave important things undone if my peace might be undermined by giving them attention. For without it, I would be prone to error. From inner peace have come enlightened decisions. People's expectations of me can never equal what God himself expects. My peace in the thought of him. Very interesting. And I have to say, and I've said it many times, I knew Swami in a lot of different circumstances over 45 years. 45 years is a long time. He was in the middle of his life when I met him. He was 41 when I met him. He was 86 when he died. I, it, it, in the early years, I had daily contact with him, um, starting from 80, 1987. I didn't live in the same community where he lived, but I had continuous contact with him. Emails, telephone, and and regular visits, either my traveling to where he was or him coming to where I was living, not just to see me, but coming through the community where I live. Just so there was, I never felt that I was out of touch with him in, a, in an actual outward way. That's quite apart from inner reality. But I, I've traveled with him. We went through 12 years of litigation together. I've seen him under financial stress. I've seen him under personal stress. I've seen him pressured for deadlines. I've seen him betrayed. I mean, just tell the whole story. You name it in life. Seen him with enormous physical issues, physical body. He works. He has worked out a lot of Ananda's karma through his physical body. You, you get the picture. Um, I've never seen him... What was the word I would use? Uh, isn't that odd, the word I want? I, I know the word. I've never seen him agitated. But that's not the word I actually mean. He just never was knocked off center. That doesn't mean he wasn't sad at times. That doesn't mean he didn't have his moments of, you know, what is Divine Mother trying to accomplish here? That doesn't mean his heart wasn't deeply affected by the unkindnesses of this world, either directed toward him. That doesn't mean he was never disappointed. None of those things. I'm not saying that he didn't have human experiences. You know the word I wanted to use was rattled. I never saw Swami rattled. You know, and most people I've seen rattled at one point or another, where something happens that just shakes you. I never saw that happen to him. And that's not hyperbole. I mean, he could weep, but that's not the same as being rattled. Rattled is when you're shaken off your inner, you're knocked out of your center. I never saw it. And he had this incredible capacity just to hold, just to hold it. I, I heard someone else talking, Dharma, Dharma Das was talking recently. and he, the, the, Dharma Das was talking about right diet. But he, he stated something, which I knew to be true, that 
no matter how much of a hurry we were in, no matter what else was going on, when Swami sat down to eat, he would just focus on what he was doing. You know, he never stood in the kitchen and just fed himself, and you never saw him when he was sitting at the table in an agitated way. He just did what was needed in the moment and then went on to the next thing. Um, it was it was notable, is the only word I can use. And here he puts it even farther than just a question of uh, demeanor. It was actually the inner reality that he never allowed any of any ephemeral consideration to override his eternal relationship with God, which is how he puts it there in the last sentence. People's expectations of me can never equal what God himself expects. My peace in the thought of him. Now he's also making a statement here, which is what does God really want from us? And, and what God wants from us is constant remembrance. Um, you know, we forget God. Uh, I've, I've recently had this realization in myself. I, I've always described myself as high-strung, which is a euphemism <laughs> for other things that you can deduce from that. But after all these years, I, I met Swami 50 years ago, I just realized, how could I have justified being high-strung all this time? Because where does that come from? If I, if I truly had faith in God, why would I be high-strung? Why would I be nervous? And, of course, I've done my best. If I could have done better, I would have done better. And I'm extremely glad that the stark reality of that thought has, has come to me in all its starkness. Because I've heard Swami say this before. I've read this book. This is not the first time through. Many times I've heard him say, I never let anything interrupt my inner peace. But what does it take to be able to really see everything in its right proportion. Now, you must understand, I have never known anyone who put out unrelenting willpower to accomplish his goals like Swami Kriyananda. When he made up his mind to do something, he did it, period. Even if his life was threatened, if he'd given his word, he would do it. When he was writing the oratorio, this... uh, uh, the story of the life of Christ in music, which he wrote about 1984, I think was around the time he wrote it. And he had this idea that this music would be a bridge between self-realization and traditional Christianity, that the experience of Jesus that this mov- music would create, he was involved with uh, a group of charismatic Catholics in Italy at that time. He thought the music could be the... And they had access into the Catholic Church in Europe. He thought this music could could help awaken. And since Jesus is a, on, the, on the altar of our gurus, and Master's work here was to uh, restore the original teachings of Christianity, Swami thought this was worth doing. So he devoted himself to writing that oratorio. And... What happened in Swamiji's life was when he was creating something that was going to bring a lot of light into the world, there was often a corresponding shadow force that would try to stop him. And very often the war would be fought in his physical body. This is what I said at the beginning. You know, he he went through incredible, extraordinary experiences through his body, but his body did not respond according to ordinary physical law. This is true of great souls. They used their bodies. Master used his body for a period of time he couldn't walk. 
he couldn't, his, his knees were affected and he couldn't walk, and then suddenly he could walk, and then he couldn't walk, and it just, it didn't make any sense. Swamiji's body was just like this. So as he was pushing to finish the oratorio, he began to have what they call congestive heart failure. Congestive heart failure, that sounds pretty dire, and left unchecked, it is. <laughs> you know, so he had all the symptoms of that happening. And he just said, Swami just said very calmly, um, Satan is trying to stop me. He said, and I won't give in. I'll die trying before I'll stop of my own will. And so he persevered, he finished it, and the next morning all the symptoms had disappeared. I mean, that was not the only time it happened. They just were gone because it wasn't a physical phenomenon. It was a astral causal phenomenon. It was a test of Swami's faith in God, a test of his priorities. Now, but it was a priority to finish, but it was a priority to finish because it was an assignment from the divine. And what does one human life matter according, except for God's will? But he was at peace. Life or death, he was at peace because God uh, inspired him to write the oratorio, but did not want Swamiji to sacrifice his relationship with the divine in order to write it. So, you see, so Swamiji has trained himself to do both. And whenever there was a choice, and then he throws in an extra feature here. If we're not at peace, we make mistakes. And if we act out of agitation and fear, then we're not, we don't make enlightened decisions because we're not super conscious. We're caught in all of these realities. We've broken the tie with the divine. So it's not only um, spiritually helpful, it's also helpful. It's helpful in everything we do. As long as we keep that connection with the divine, that's an extension of what I was saying earlier in, in this month of July aphorisms, where there is dharma, there is always victory. Dharma is that which expands our consciousness. Keeping our inner peace keeps our consciousness elevated. To allow ourselves to become nervous means that in some way we have lost faith that God is in charge and I'm acting in, in accordance with Him. And if I've lost that connection, I've lost everything. So what is the point in going forward? Because nothing I do is going to reflect the right consciousness. And that's essentially what Swami is also saying. I've even left important things undone if it would be at the expense of my inner peace because the vibration with which we do things is also as important as the things that we do. It, at, there was a, a historical moment in Master's work, Yogananda's work when it was being developed, in which there was some kind of a controversy in one of the uh, small centers, not at Mount Washington, not at the headquarters, but in Arizona or New Mexico or some someplace at a distance. I, I believe it was at a distance. It doesn't matter. It was not under the purview of Yogananda directly. And so this man, Mr. Jaycott, Swami writes about this in his autobiography, The Path, and how Mr. Jaycott stood up in a meeting and, and, and denounced certain behaviors and saved the, the, the future of the center. He does, Swami doesn't explain it there, but apparently there was financial impropriety, and he stood up and denounced it and exposed it, and then it was corrected. And Master commended Mr. Jaycott for saving the center, but then he also said, but it would have been better if you had done it without anger. And then Swamiji 
uh, said that as a result of that anger, Mr. Jaycott got out of tune and eventually left, uh, left his life with Master, abandoned his life with Master, because he had allowed something to deeply disturb his inner peace, even for a good cause. And I mean, it gets very subtle, doesn't it? Because the demands of everyone else cannot be greater than God's demands of me, which is that I keep the thought of God. There was another incident where, in Yogananda's life, where um, they were working hard to meet a certain deadline. I believe they were uh, building the lake shrine, and they had a dedication date set, and they had to work many hours in order to finish the, the, what they needed to finish in order to have the, the big dedica- huge, big public dedication service with all these dignitaries company, coming. And there was a, a man who was critical to the work, and one day he simply didn't show up. And the next day when he came, Master said, where were you? And he said, sir, I, I spent the day meditating. Oh, Master said, that's fine. <laughs> just like that. Because if he felt the need to meditate all day, it just simply it trumped everything. Isn't that interesting? You know, and this is, this, is a, this is a big challenge. But once we said, where there's Dharma, there's victory. When seek ye first the kingdom of God, there's many examples of this, and everything else will sort itself out. Pick it up by the right string. So, Swamiji says, My bottom line for many years has been not money, profit, or outer success of any kind, but inner peace. I refuse to allow myself to become so stressed as to sacrifice that true wealth. I've even deemed it better, and experience has borne me out, to leave important things undone if my peace might be undermined by giving them attention. For without it, I would be prone to err. From inner peace have come enlightened decisions. People's expectations of me can never equal what God himself expects, my peace in the thought of him. God bless you. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.